0: Section five of the Rover, Volume One, Number Four. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Katrina Dixon, The Rover, Volume One, Number Four, edited by Sebra Smith and Lawrence Libri. Section Number Five. Count Julian and his family by washington irving everything for a time prospered with count julian he had gratified his vengeance he had been successful in his treason and had acquired countless riches from the ruin of his country but it is not outward success that constitutes prosperity the tree flourishes with fruit and foliage while blasted and withering at the heart wherever he went count julian read hatred in every eye he tried to persuade himself that he had taken but justifiable vengeance he felt that no personal wrong can justify the crime of treason to one's country for a time he sought in luxurious indulgence to soothe or forget the miseries of the mind he assembled round him every pleasure and gratification that boundless wealth could purchase but all in vain he had no relish for the dainties of his board music had no charm wherewith to lull his soul and remorse drove slumber from his pillow he sent to cueda for his wife frandina his daughter florinda and his youthful son Alibo, hoping in the bosom of his family to find that sympathy and kindness which he could no longer find in the world their presence however brought him no alleviation Florinda, the daughter of his heart, for whose sake he had undertaken such signal vengeance, was sinking a victim to its effects. Wherever she went, she found herself a byword of shame and reproach. The outrage she had suffered was imputed to her as wantonness, and her calamity was magnified into a crime. The Christians never mentioned her name without a curse, and the Muslims the gainer of her misfortune spoke of her only by the appellation of kava the vilest epithet that they could apply to a woman but the opprobrium of the world was nothing to the umbraiding of her own heart she charged herself with all the miseries of these disastrous wars the deaths of so many gallant cavaliers the conquest and perdition of her country The anguish of her mind preyed upon the beauty of her person. Her eye, once soft and tender in its expression, became wild and haggard. Her cheek lost its bloom and became hollow and pallid. And at times there was a desperation in her words. When her father sought to embrace her, she withdrew with shuddering from his arms, for she thought of his treason and the ruin it had brought upon Spain. Her wretchedness increased after her return to her native country until it rose to a degree of frenzy. One day, when she was walking with her parents in the garden of their palace, she entered a tower, and having barred the door, ascended to the battlements. From thence she called to them in piercing accents, expressive of her insupportable anguish and desperate determination. "'Let the city,' she said, be henceforth called Malacca, in the memorial of the most wretched of women who therein put an end to her days so saying she threw herself headlong from the tower and was dashed to pieces the city adds the ancient chronicler received the name thus given to it though softened to malaga which still retains the memory of the tragic end of florinda the countess frandina abandoned this scene of woe and returned to cueta accompanied by her infant son she took with her the remains of her unfortunate daughter and gave them honorable sepulchre in a mausoleum of the chapel belonging to the citadel count julian departed for carthagena where he remained plunged in horror at this doleful event about this time the cruel salimon Having destroyed the family of Musa, had sent an Arab general named Alahor to succeed Abdelis as emir or governor of Spain. The new emir was of cruel and suspicious nature, and commenced his sway with a stern severity that soon made those under his command look back with regret to the easy rule of Abdelis. He regarded with an eye of distrust the renegado Christians who had aided in the conquest and who bore arms in the service of the Muslims, but his deepest suspicions fell upon count julian he had been a traitor to his own countrymen he said how can we be sure that he will not prove traitor to us a sudden insurrection of christians who had taken refuge in the austrian mountains quickened his suspicions and inspired him with fears of some dangerous conspiracy against his power in the height of his anxiety he bethought him of an arabian sage named yuza who had accompanied him from africa this son of science was withered in form and looked as if he had outlived the usual term of mortal life in the course of his studies and travels in the east he had collected the knowledge and experience of sages being skilled in astrology and it is said in necromancy and possessing the marvellous gift of prophecy or divination to this expounder of mysteries Alahor applied to learn whether any secret treason menaced his safety the astrologer listened with deep attentions and overwhelming brow to all the surmises and suspicions of the emir then shut himself up to consult his books and commune with those supernatural intelligences subservient to his wisdom at an appointed hour the emir sought him in his cell it was filled with smoke of perfumes squares and circles and various diagrams were descried upon the floor and the astrologer was poring over a scroll of parchment covered with caliblistic characters he received alahor with a gloomy and sinister aspect pretending to have discovered fearful proponents in the heavens and to have had strange dreams and mystic visions oh, emir said he be on your guard treason is around you and in your path your life is in peril beware of count julian and his family enough said the emir they shall all die parents and children all shall die he forthwith sent a summons to count julian to attend him to cordova the messenger found him plunged in affliction for the recent death of his daughter the count excused himself on account of this misfortune from obeying the commands of the emir in person but sent several of his adherents his hesitation and the circumstance of his having sent his family across the straits to africa were construed by the jealous mind of the emir into proofs of guilt he no longer doubted his being concerned in the recent insurrections and that he had sent his family away preparatory to an attempt by force of arms to subvert the Muslim dominion in his fury he put to death Rizaberto and evan the nephews of bishop opaz and the sons of the former king witaza suspecting them of taking part in the treason thus did they expiate their treachery to their country in the fatal battle of guadalete Alahorn next hastened to carthagena to seize upon count julian so rapid were his movements that the count had barely time to escape with fifteen cavaliers with whom he took refuge in the strong castle of marchillo among the mountains of Aragon. the emir enraged to be disappointed of his prey embarked at carthagena and crossed the straits to cueda to make captives of the countess frandina and her son now it so happened that the countess frandina was seated late at night in her chamber in the citadel of cueda which stands on a lofty rock overlooking the sea. She was revolving in gloomy thought the late disasters of her family, when she heard a mournful noise, like that of the sea-breeze moaning about the castle walls. Raising her eyes, she beheld her brother, the bishop of paz at the entrance of the chamber. She advanced to embrace him, but he forbade her with a motion of his hand, and she observed that he was ghastly pale. And that his eyes glared as with lambent flames. Touch me not, sister, he said, with a mournful voice, lest thou be consumed by the fire which rages within me. Guard well thy son, for bloodhounds are upon his track. His innocence might have secured him the protection of heaven, but our crimes have involved him in our common ruin. He ceased to speak. And was no longer to be seen. His coming and going were alike without noise, and the door of the chamber remained fast bolted. On the following morning, a messenger arrived with tidings that the Bishop of Paz had been taken prisoner in a battle by the insurgent Christians of the Austrias and had died in fetters in a tower of the mountains. The same messenger brought word that the Emir Alahor had put to death several of the friends of Count Julian had obliged him to fly for his life to a castle in Aragon, and was embarking with a formidable force for Cueta. The Countess Randina, as has already been shown, was courageous of heart, and danger made her desperate. There were fifty Moorish soldiers in the garrison. She feared that they would prove treacherous and take part with their own countrymen summoning her officers therefore she informed them of their danger commanded them to put those moors to death the guards sallied forth to obey her orders thirty-five of those Moors were in the great square unsuspicious of danger when they were severely singled out by their executioners and at a concerted signal killed on the spot the remaining fifteen took refuge in a tower they saw the armada of the emir at a distance and hoped to be able to hold out until his arrival the soldiers of the countess saw it also and made extraordinary efforts to destroy these internal enemies before they should be attacked from without they made repeated attempts to storm the tower but were as often repulsed with severe loss then they undermined it supporting its foundations by stanchions of wood to these they set fire and withdrew to a distance keeping up a constant shower of missiles to prevent the moors from sallying forth to extinguish the flames the stanchions were rapidly consumed and when they gave way the tower fell to the ground some of the moors were crushed among the ruins others were flung to a distance and dashed among the rocks those who survived were put to the sword the fleet of the emir arrived about the hour of vespers he landed but found the gates closed against him the countess herself spoke to him from a tower and set him at defiance the emir immediately laid siege to the city he consulted with the astrologer who told him that for seven days his star would have the ascendant over that of the youth alabo but after that time the youth would be safe from his power and would effect his ruin alihor immediately ordered the city to be assailed on every side and at length carried it by storm the countess took refuge with her forces in the citadel and made desperate defence but the walls were sapped and mined and she saw that all resistance would soon be unavailing her only thoughts now were to conceal her child surely she thought they will not think to seek him among the dead she led him therefore into the dark and dismal chapel thou art not afraid to be alone in this darkness my child she said no mother replied the boy darkness gives silence and sleep she conducted him to the tomb of florinda fearest thou the dead my child no mother the dead can do no harm and what should i fear from my sister the countess opened the sepulchre listen my son said she there are fierce and cruel people who have come hither to murder thee stay here in company with thy sister and be quiet as thou dost value thy life the boy who was of a courageous nature did as he was bidden and remained there all that day and the next night and the next day until the third hour in the meantime the walls of the citadel were sapped and the troops of the emir poured in at the breach and a great part of the garrison was put to the sword the countess was taken prisoner and brought before the emir she appeared in his presence with a haughty demeanor as if she had been a queen receiving homage but when he demanded her son she faltered and turned pale and replied my son is with the dead countess said the emir i am not to be deceived tell me where you have concealed the boy or tortures shall wring from you the secret emir replied the countess may the greatest torments be my portion both here and hereafter if what i speak be not the truth my darling child lies buried with the dead the emir was confounded by the solemnity of her words but the withered astrologer yuza who stood by his side regarded the countess from beneath his bushed eyebrows perceived trouble in her countenance and equivocation in her words leave this to me whispered he to alahor i will produce the child he ordered strict search to be made of the soldiery and he obliged the countess to always be present when they came to the chapel her cheek turned pale and her lip quivered this said the subtle astrologer is the place of concealment the search throughout the chapel however was equally vain and the soldiers were about to depart when yuza remarked a slight gleam of joy in the eye of the countess we are leaving our prey behind thought he the countess is exulting he now called to mind the words of her observation that her child was with the dead turning suddenly toward the soldiers he ordered them to search the sepulchres if you find him not said he draw forth the bones of that wanton cava that they might be burnt in the ashes scattered to the winds the soldiers searched among the tombs and found that of florinda partly open within lay the boy in the sound sleep of childhood and one of the soldiers took him gently in his arms to bear him to the emir when the countess beheld that her child was discovered she rushed into the presence of Allahor and forgetting all her pride threw herself upon her knees before him mercy mercy cried she in piercing accents mercy on my son my only child o Amir, listen to a mother's prayers and my lips shall kiss thy feet as thou art merciful to him so may the most high god have mercy upon thee and heap blessings on thy head bear that frantic woman hence said the emir but guard her well the countess was dragged away by the soldiery without regard to her struggles and her cries and confined in a dungeon of the citadel the child was now brought to the emir he had been awakened by the tumult and gazed fearlessly on the stern countenance of the soldiers had the heart of the emir been capable of pity it would have been touched by the tender youth and innocent beauty of the child but his heart was as the nether millstone and he was bent upon the destruction of the whole family of julian calling to him the astrologer he gave the child into his charge with a secret command the withered son of the desert took the boy by the hand and led him up the winding staircase of a tower when they reached the summit, Yuza placed him on the battlements. Cling not to me, my child, said he. There is no danger. Father, I fear not, said the undaunted boy. Yet it is a wondrous height. The child looked around with delighted eyes. The breeze blew his curling locks from about his face, and his cheeks glowed at the boundless prospect for the tower was raised on that lofty promontory on which hercules founded one of his pillars the surges of the sea were heard far below beating upon the rocks the seagull screamed and wheeled about the foundations of the tower and the sails of lofty caracas were as specks on the deep dost thou know yonder land beyond the blue water said usa it is spain replied the boy it is the land of my father and my mother then stretch forth thy hands and bless it my child said the astrologer the boy let go his hold of the wall and as he stretched forth his hands the aged son of ishmael exerting all the strength of his withered limbs suddenly pushed him over the battlements he fell headlong from the top of that tall tower and not a bone of his tender frame but was crushed upon the rocks beneath alahor came to the foot of the winding stairs is the boy safe cried he he is safe replied yuza come and behold the truth with thine own eyes the emir ascended the tower and looked over the battlements and beheld the body of the child a shapeless mass on the rocks far below and the seagulls hovering about it and he gave orders that it should be thrown into the sea which was done On the following, the countess was led forth from her dungeon into the public square. She knew of the death of her child, and that her own death was at hand, but she neither wept nor supplicated. Her hair was dishevelled, her eyes were haggard with watching, and her cheek was as the monumental stone. But there were the remains of commanding beauty in her countenance, and the majesty of her presence awed even the rabble into respect a multitude of christian prisoners were then brought forth and alahor cried out behold the wife of count julian behold one of the traitors' family from which has brought ruin upon yourselves and upon your country he ordered that they should stone her to death but the christians drew back in horror from the deed and said in the hand of god is vengeance let not her blood be upon our heads upon this the emir swore with horrid imprecations that whoever of the captives refused should himself be stoned to death so the cruel order was executed and the countess frandina perished by the hands of her own countrymen having thus accomplished this barbarous end the emir embarked for spain and ordered the citadel of cueda to be set on fire and cross the straits at night by the light of its towering flames the death of count julian which took place not long after, closed the tragic story of his family. How he died remains in doubt. Some assert that the cruel Alahor pursued him to his retreat among the mountains, and having taken him prisoner, beheaded him. Others, that the Moors confined him in a dungeon, and put an end to his life with lingering torments. While others affirm that the tower of the castle of Marchulo near Husqueda, in Aragon. In which he took refuge, fell on him and crushed him to pieces. All agree that his latter end was miserable in the extreme, and his death violent. The curse of heaven, which had thus pursued him to the grave, was extended to the very place which had given him shelter. For we are told that the castle is no longer inhabited on account of the strange and horrible noises that are heard in it, and that visions of armed men are seen above it in the air. Which are supposed to be the troubled spirits of the apostate Christians who favored the cause of the traitor. In after times, a stone sepulchre was shown outside of the chapel of the castle as the tomb of Count Julian, but the traveller and the pilgrim avoided it or bestowed upon it a malediction, and the name of Julian has remained a byword and a scorn in the land for warning of all generations. Such ever be the lot of him who betrays his country. End of section 5. Recording by Katrina Dixon.